And I would like to get Joel at the next one. Yes, it is. Get Joel to come up here, Pastor Joel Oslin, and he's the, uh, uh, a chaplain at the Mayo Healthcare System, and he uh, uh, works at a church down there also. Yep. And uh, we just please that his schedule works out that he can be here once a month. So, so welcome, Pastor Joel. Good morning. It's good to be with you again. I um, am a covenant pastor too, as some people know that, but just to say that, yeah. Salem Road Covenant Church is our home church in Rochester. I think I'm doing. Oh. It's working. This is my dog. Yeah. A German wired pointer. Uh, her name is Kelty. And she is one of two buys that I did during the pandemic. <laughs> A lot of people purchased dogs, adopted dogs and animals during the pandemic. When we had to stay at home orders, I had two kids at home, and I thought my kids need something to do, so we went out and got a puppy. There she is as a puppy in the top right corner. Um, it's always dangerous to go puppy shopping, because if you're thinking you might get a puppy and you see a puppy, you're usually coming home with a puppy then, you know, just the nature of puppies. <clears throat> For those that might be bird hunters, I am a bird Hunter as well. Uh, have yet to do waterfowl with her, even though she's a versatile dog, dog breed, but I do a lot of upland hunting. Um, in spirit of my dog, I actually came across German wire-haired socks. I'm wearing those this morning. <laughs> Yesterday was Minnesota's pheasant opener, and we shot every single bird that we saw. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> which was zero, but it was still fun to get out. Uh, she loves to help. There she is in the top center. I'm redoing my fire pit in the backyard, and she thought, this is where I need to be too, right in the center of it. She's kind of a clown, big, fuzzy, looks like a Muppet, puppet face, but getting better as she ages. Yeah. A main strategy, so we went out, I went out knowing I wanted to get a pointing dog that I could hunt with and um, found a breeder and all that. But many people, when they get a new dog, is they would go to a shelter, and then they would see which one looks cute or lovable, and one that maybe is calm at the moment, and then pick that one. <laughs> Another strategy is to think about the size, the temperament, the activity level, the breed characteristics of the dog, and then to get the breed of that dog that will fit your life. For instance, um, because not all dogs, not all breeds are the same, if you're thinking about a boxer, which is rising in popularity, it would be good to know that they are described as a faithful protector of family, well-balanced family dog. Their characteristics include good family pet, affectionate and playful, courageous, and suitable as a guide dog or assistance animal. Labrador Retriever is a popular breed. They are described as an excellent Retriever can be trusted with children, requires sufficient amount of exercise. Their characteristics include patience, intelligence, gentleness, equable temperament, good
good family pet, and also popular as assistance or guide dog. Spitz, known as a beautiful and intelligent small breed, they do not need a great deal of exercise. However, they are quite noisy, tends to bark a lot, and are suspicious of strangers. Their characteristics include loyal companion, excellent guard dog, intelligent, adaptable. And then there's the pug. And I just think, what have we done to the dog? <laughs> no offense if you have a pug. All dogs are great. I, I'm a dog person. They are described as a good family pet and devoted companion. Energetic, enjoys exercise, natural passion for food. They just described my son, natural passion for food. Characteristics, happy disposition, good with children, affectionate, intelligent. So the one trait, as I looked at all these different breeds, and there's, I mean, there's hundreds of more, lots of dog breeds, but the one trait that jumped out for me in just the four breeds that we looked at, um, and I was really curious to see if they would use it, is the word devoted. Because when I think about dogs and what dogs are known for, it's devotion. <laughs> Dogs are devoted to their owners, um, often devoted to one particular person, but can be devoted to a family depending on how, what happens in those puppy years. Our pandemic puppy is most definitely devoted to me, and wire hairs are known for that. They usually cling to one person, maybe two. Romans 12, uh, part of it here this morning is such a, the whole chapter is a rich passage, and so we're going to look at a part of it and it's no surprise that it was put on John's heart last week and then my heart for this week. My focus, though, this morning is not going to be so much living, what does it mean to have faith in life as a living sacrifice, which is a great message. I listened to John's message. Uh, but looking at how we, how you in the here and now can maintain harmony during this period of your church as you are in search for a, the next pastor. And... What we're going to look at isn't actually just unique to this time of your church history. It's for us at any time, um, looking at this harmony equation of how we are to treat one another. And so here's the verses that we're looking at for Romans 12 this morning. Love must be sincere. Hate what is evil. Cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another. Honor one another above yourselves. Never be lacking in zeal. Keep your spiritual fever, fervor, sorry, uh, serving the Lord. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. Share with the Lord's people who are in need. Practice hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Mourn with those who mourn. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be proud, but be willing to associate with people in the low position. Do not be conceited. Often when we hear of devotion that one person has for another, it is in the context of family relationships. For instance, he was a devoted husband or she was a devoted wife. He was a devoted father or she was a devoted mother. 
Because this attribute is so highly valued, the attribute of devotion, it will often be um, used in a person's obituary, describing them, letting others know what was important to that person. I did a Google search of obituary and devoted, and it gave me 21,600,000 hits. <laughs> On the first page, there was devoted wife and mother, Francis. Devoted family man, Rudy. I saw devoted father and husband, Charles. Nancy was devoted to her family. Other results included, in the next few pages, former Principal Philip was devoted to students. Virginia is known as a devoted gardener. Richard was a devoted soil scientist. Adeline devoted her life to missionary cause. Here's kind of a pause for us at this moment. How would you finish this line? I am devoted to... What would you put in that blank? Perhaps more importantly is, how would other people finish that line for you? As they think about you and know you, observe you. This person was devoted to... Could be Keith was devoted to his convertible. Phyllis was devoted to her cats. Larry was devoted to his football. Betty was devoted to her books. We could be devoted to anything. God wants us to be devoted to one another. What would it mean if the first line in your obituary said, you were devoted to other people. What it would mean is that you lived a biblical life, is what it would mean. An example of devotion that we see in the Bible is Paul and his life, as he interacted with these early churches. We see that Paul spent time with them. When he was away, he thought about them. He prayed for them. He communicated with them. Paul desired to see them prosper. And then when, he didn't, when they didn't prosper, it tore him up inside. He was emotionally connected to the people in the early church that he went around and traveled and planted and encouraged and wrote to. This is a great picture of devotion. Time, thought, prayer, communication, desire for prosperity. And then when it didn't happen, he felt grief. How emotionally exhausting <laughs> it must have been for Paul. I mean, just think about how many people can a person be devoted to? And looking at this list, I see multiple churches. One, two, three, four, five, six different churches. Just in this list. Thinking about this one church, uh, Bethel Covenant Church, can each person that attends this church say that they feel others are devoted to them and vice versa? Just one church. 
My sense is that for many of you, you can say that. You can say, yes, people are devoted to me, and I am devoted to, to them. But my observation, experience of churches and who we are as humans, that isn't necessarily something that everyone can say. I would imagine some people would say, no, I actually don't feel that at all. I don't feel like people are devoted to me. So this is an area to grow in, to work on, to live out. Being devoted to one another, as we read through that 12, Romans 12 passage, it's immediately followed by, honor one another above yourselves. This is in verse 10. And looking at a story in Genesis 37, we see what this picture of honor can look like with Joseph, his interactions with his family, and how his life played out. So early in Joseph's life, when he was living with his brothers and his dad, <clears throat> we read that Joseph had a dream. And when he had told his brothers about the dream, they hated him all the more. Joseph was already their father's favorite. Joseph said to them, listen, listen to this dream that I had. We were binding sheaves of grain out in the field when suddenly my sheaf rose up, stood up upright, while your sheaves gathered around mine and bowed down to it. His brother said to him, Do you intend to reign over us? Joseph was the youngest, so I mean, they're trying to get their mind wrapped around what Joseph is trying to say. Will you actually rule us? And they hated him all the more because of his dream and what he had said. Then he had another dream and he told it to his brothers. Listen, he said, I had another dream. And this time the sun and the moon and 11 stars were bowing down to me. When he had told his father, as well as his brothers, his father rebuked him and said, What is this dream you had? Will your mother and I and your brothers actually come and bow down to the ground before you? This was just unheard of. It doesn't happen. And they couldn't quite understand what Joseph was trying to say. This act of bowing down is a way, was a way, it is a way to show honor and respect to another person. Now, we don't really see much of this in our culture, 2022, living in the United States. Um, we don't see that happening. But if you can imagine, if you were to bow down, say, in your devotional time, in a prayer time, if there's a spot here at church or at home, and you were to bow, get on your knees and pray, that, that physical posture of your body is a way of honoring God. This is why we would do that. In fact, this is one of the ways why we probably bow our heads <laughs> when we pray and teach our kids to do that. So, looking at this story, if we fast forward the story, Joseph sold into slavery, he spent time in prison, he interpreted dreams by the power of God, then he became second in command in Egypt. He prepared Egypt and the region for seven years of famine. Joseph then oversaw the food distribution to all who were affected by the famine, which included his own family. Now, picking up the story in Genesis 43, his brothers already had met him once, and then they're coming back for more food. They don't know that it was their brother Joseph who stood before them that first meeting, and in fact, when they first come back now. So they, the brothers, went up to Joseph's steward and spoke to him at the entrance of the house, to the house. We beg your pardon, our Lord, they said. We came down here the first time to buy food. But at the place where we stopped for the night, we opened our sacks, and each of us found his silver 
the exact weight and the mouth of his sack. So we have brought it back with us. We've also brought additional silver with us to buy food. We don't know who put it, who put that silver in our sacks. It's all right, he said. Don't be afraid. Your God, the God of your father, has given you, you treasure in your sacks. I received your silver. So then he then brought Simeon out to them. Simeon was held back. The steward took the men to Joseph's house, gave them water to wash their feet, and provided fodder for their donkeys. They prepared gifts for Joseph's arrival at noon because they had heard that they were to eat there. When Joseph came home, they presented to him the gifts that they had brought into the house. And they bowed down before him to the ground. He asked them how they were, and then he said, Is your aged father you told me about still living? They replied, Your servant, our father, is still alive and well. And they bowed down, prostrating themselves before him. Joseph's dreams came true. They came true multiple, multiple, multiple years later, but they still came true. The brothers bowed before him. The question is, were the brothers honoring Joseph? Or were they honoring the position that Joseph was in? That is, would they have bowed down at this moment if they knew it was Joseph? They still don't know it's Joseph. Would they have bowed down if they knew it was Joseph? It is pretty hard to bow down to your kid brother to whom your father showed clear favoritism to. It is a lot easier to bow down to the guy who has the only storage of food to feed a nation in neighboring countries. We certainly show honor to a position in our society. We will show honor to teachers, to policemen, to pastors, to senators, to judges, to parents, to bosses. And yet, at the same time, we can withhold honor from the person. We're just honoring that position. (laughs) Now, not every person is honorable, so it can be tough. It can be tough to show honor when that is the case. The reason we are to honor one another is because that other is in our life. That is the reason. It isn't because of their position. It's because they're in your life, and God wants us to honor them. You are in my life. I am in your life. We are in each other's lives. There is roughly the same group of people that attend here at Bethel Covenant Church. Whether it's 50 or 75 or 100, that you're going to see on any given Sunday morning. Of the 3,348 people in Ellsworth, Wisconsin, city proper, region maybe 5,000, 6,000 people, I don't, I, have no, I don't know. Only 3,248 of them are going to be here. <laughs> or are not here. They're not here. Most of them aren't here. But let's say Bethel grew to 150 people then you, being a part of this church, we need to honor 150 people. If there is 220 people here, then you are to honor 220. If the church went from 75 people to 76 people, then that one, whomever that one person is, is to be honored. God is telling them to honor them above ourselves. 
For years and years and years and years, the, the, the people are asking, why should I go to church? This is an ongoing thing. We see this trend ongoing in our society, less and less and less and less church attendance. People are asking, why should I go to church? If and when they have been honored, the question then changes to, why wouldn't I go to church? <laughs> a person would naturally want to be in a place that they are honored. A person's naturally going to want to be in a place where there's harmony. We are to live in harmony with one another, which happens when we are devoted to each other and honor each other. And it's going to be real easy to get along with someone that is devoted to you and honors you. Think about it. If someone is devoted to you and honors you, it's real easy to get along with them. <clears throat> We have harmony in our music, which is great. <laughs> but musically, disharmony is a harsh noise. It's hard to listen to. It's a confusing noise or an unresolved discordant chord. That's on the left side. The notes aren't lining up. Harmony, then, is a combination of simultaneous notes that are pleasing to the ear, usually blended into chords. Beyond music, you can think of harmony as just simply being congruent, congruity. In Luke 10, we read this story. As Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. He had a sister called Mary, who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. But Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. She came to him and said and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work all by myself? Tell her to help me. Did you know that people can disagree on how they should interact with Jesus? This is what we're seeing in this story. People are disagreeing with how they should interact with Jesus. For us in, in 2022, people disagree on how, how we should worship Jesus. There, there can be disagreement on song selection, on musical instruments, on what time to start the service, on how long the service should be, on how we should start it, on how we should end it, on how long the sermon should be, on how long the music should be. Will there be communion? Will we have an offering? Do we say the Lord's Prayer? Do we offer prayer after service? When do we stand? When do we sit? Do we sit in pews or do we sit in chairs? What color should the walls be? Do we have coffee before the service? Can people bring coffee into the service? Can people, drink should people just drink coffee after the service? And all the coffee drinkers say yes, yes, yes. <laughs> Beyond Sunday morning, that's just Sunday morning, one hour, Sunday morning, hour and a half maybe. Churches make decisions around various ministries, youth ministry, children ministry, women ministry, men, community outreach, missions trip, missionary support, along with decisions about buildings and grounds, finance, marketing, the website, and so on, and so on, and so on. Every single decision that we make as a church will be a test of us living in harmony with one another. 
especially when the group decides to do something that you disagree with. For a church that is looking for their next pastor, people may disagree if the next pastor should have some experience or perhaps will this be their first call. People might disagree on whether they should be looking for only a male pastor or do we call a female pastor. Should the next pastor have a theological degree from a seminary or is a Bible degree from a college enough or perhaps no degree at all? Do we get someone in their 20s or 30s or 40s or 50s or 60s? Do we consider their age? The group probably agrees that they will call the person that they feel God is leading them to, but you can see how a group may disagree on the details. God's vision is that we live in harmony with one another. God's vision is that you live in harmony with one another. Any decision that the church is going to make is an opportunity to either be in harmony or be in disharmony. May the community that you create be one that is pleasant for all to be in. God has a vision for you and me. First, that we come to know Jesus as Lord and Savior. Done. Second, that we would be devoted to one another, that we would honor one another, and that you live in harmony as a community of believers. We're working on it. We're working on it. Another way to look at this would be when you honor one another and are devoted to one another, then you have harmony. This is the harmony equation. Devotion plus honor equals harmony. And this is ongoing work that is achievable. It is achievable when we are empowered by the Holy Spirit. May you live out God's vision for your life and for Bethel Covenant Church this week. Amen. Heavenly Father, we thank you for who you are, for your word, for Romans 12. What a great, rich passage, Lord. If we hear it again next week, may our hearts be open. But in the meantime, may we continue to sense your presence in our lives. We thank you for your love. Amen.